Hello, and welcome to our financial services podcast series, Don't Break the Bank, Run It and Change It. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and together with my co-host, Brian Hayes, we've both worked for over 30 years in banking and banking IT. This is a podcast for curious minds in the financial services industry. The purpose of our podcast is to explore some topics and questions which we didn't even know were questions when we were working on the other side. Hi, we're breaking new ground again today. Today, we're joined by two vice presidents from VMware to talk with us about blockchain, Tanya Shastri and Brendan Howe. Uh, we're delighted that they could join us. So if you could introduce yourselves, that'd be super. Maybe start with you, Tanya. Hi, I'm Tanya Shastri. I'm VP of product for blockchain at VMware. And my team covers product management, product marketing and go to market. And I have been generally very interested in emerging technologies, especially where there's an intersection with new business opportunities and new new ways of doing business. And I'd like to say blockchain is really one of those juicy ones. I almost could not get into the space. Super. Brendan? Yes, I'm Brendan Howe. I'm the Vice President and General Manager of the Blockchain Group at VMware. Thrilled to have the opportunity to take what has been, you know, really interesting and creative innovation and turn it into a successful business for the company, which we're quite confident it will be. Before we talk about what VMware then are doing in this space, can we quickly recap on blockchain? So not sure where it is on the the Gartner hype curve right now. I know a few years ago, it was most definitely reaching that peak of inflated expectations. And, and you know, it's going to replace old core banking systems. It was going to replace money. It was going to empower individuals and corporations. And it seemed a very good thing to have on your CV. So um, so what's your take on the role of blockchain? Are, you know, are we in that trough of disillusionment or are we now on that slope of enlightenment? So maybe I'll start. To be honest, I don't know exactly where it is on the curve. I suspect it's in more than one spot on the curve. And I think it's a reflection of the fact that blockchain technology itself is a component of a much broader solution set that are often part of a much broader business initiative within companies. And what I mean by that is, you know, every customer uh, discussion we have is, is centered on and focused on digital transformation as a business driving theme. And as a component of digital transformation, companies are thinking about whole new ways of doing business, new applications, new business opportunities, new customer relationships, new customer communities and consortiums that are fully built on enabling digital technology, not through um, traditional processes. Or those discussions can be centered on improvement of existing environments and applications like uh, automation and in settlement, in, in reconciliation processes, and in providing a more consolidated way to, to share a single source of truth and a single set of data to a, a broadening set of, of downstream customers. So I think part of the challenge in trying to map where it is on the, on the cycle of life is the fact that it's part of a greater set of initiatives that, that are all consuming to many of these customers and are much longer life cycles than a, than a short-term technology trend would imply. And then if you add on to that, the complexity of lots of these initiatives, like you've highlighted in financial services space, for example, um, are heavily regulated environments. They're business critical applications. They have to be approved. They have to be certified. 
they have to be supportable. They have to be dependable. So it's not as easy as just choosing a new enabling technology. I think a lot of companies are in the process of implementing what turn out to be long-term initiatives using blockchain technology. But the reality is the pace doesn't go quite as fast and maybe as predictable as a hype cycle curve might imply. Generally speaking, I do agree, you know, it's all over the place a little bit and it depends on um, which project and which which situation um, uh, blockchain is being considered in. But I'd say by and large, and, uh, you know, just looking at all the customers we've spoken to, generally speaking, where the space is, it certainly is past hype, right? I think um, there aren't, people aren't saying anymore that it's going to solve world hunger and everything's going to change because of blockchain, right? So I'd say there's a more realistic view and there's an appreciation. There's certainly areas where there's a clear appreciation of what blockchain can do and the problems it can solve and areas like the financial services space where we've been focused on. Um, there's quite clearly a lot of that now. So I'd say it's it, it's past it's past hype cycle. Um, in some cases where people still have unrealistic expect- expectations, either of the time, right? Um, to Brendan's point, there are various areas that it has touch points and adjacencies, and sometimes the stars have to align for a project to come to fruition. Um, so in those cases, maybe there is there could be some disillusionment, but I'd say we're I'd, I'd say we're on that uh, you know the the upward swing to now coming in and plateauing out uh, from the perspective of um, uh, where the value is. Um, and in, in the cases of customers we are speaking with, I think there's there's clear opportunity identified. There's an ability to know where blockchain plays its role in some of the near immediate term projects, um, and then some of the longer term ones have more of that vision and where those could go in the future as well. Okay, so so I think this, there seems to be still some extreme use cases. I will frame them that quite that way. So digital currency for the masses, tokenization of assets, smart contracts for a small number of parties. Yeah, where where are you seeing that play out then? Is it yeah, you know, one system or lots of implementations? Yeah, uh, maybe I'll take a stab at this first, right? Like with several emerging technologies, there's a lot of potential, but then um, you know, the nearer term ones have to be more realistic and delivering value immediately, right? So there's there's always a journey on which uh, things are going. Um, so, uh, you know, some of the examples you had there, Matthew, right, um, like a central bank digital currency versus, um, you know, uh, things that are happening already with repo transactions in, in financial services, right? Each one of them has a slightly different life cycle. Um, I'd say there are very clearly ones that are um, that are already in place, immediately offering value, reducing a lot of cost and um, inefficiency in the, in the current processes. Um, and then there are others that that will take their take a little longer. There are various regulatory things that have to come into place for them to to come to fruition. So again, um, a bit of a mixed bag there as well. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll just make a comment, Matt. It's interesting, you know, you using the word extreme. Uh, because if you think about the breadth of, of categories of consideration for the use of the technology, it ranges from tokenization of assets, asset tracking, transaction processing, to you know the whole critical path of how the repo market runs or how a private exchange runs. So you can imagine a scenario of a settlement goes down, the stock market goes down, that's pretty extreme. So I, I think the, the use of the technology as an enablement is far reaching. And I think that reflects some of the impact in core critical financial services, healthcare services, government services that it can have, which is 
clearly in the case of extreme and long-term and complex, coupled with some more basic value propositions of how do you expedite and make easier the process of quarterly and settlement. If you're a Fortune 500 company with subsidiaries with a broad product line like VMware has, how could you use the technology to just simply make quarter end settlement easier for everyone to implement? And those are very different extremes of how, how complicated or how, how substantial that use case becomes. And I think that's part of the dialogue and at times part of the confusion of, of the use of blockchain technology and where it is on the maturity curve. Well, I'm interested in, and I'm sure everyone else on the, on the who may be listening to this is interested in. You've talked, you've both talked, you know, very eloquently around the customer and and the and the customer's drive for real digital transformation. So, what are they telling you about their journeys and and how this fits in to enable that journey? Um, you know, and, and is it pervasive? Is it really driving the, the helping drive that digital transformation? Or is it a set of specific use cases? Yeah, I, you know, I think it's a mix, as you'd expect. I, I think you're probably laughing when I start the sentence that way, because that seems like the answer to every question so far. But I think in general, um, we see a, a fairly wide variety of approaches that companies are taking on, on how to leverage uh, blockchain and distributed ledger technology. In the extremes might be an example on one side that says, we're gonna proof of concept prototype every idea of how we think this can apply. And through the prototyping effort and, and the proof of concept effort, we're gonna validate a hypothesis that this could work and cost out what the return on investment might look like and assess whether that project sees the light of day. And we have customers who are engaged in literally dozens of proof of concept exercises in order to do that. It's a pretty orderly way to do things. You try before you, you fully implement, you fully commit. On the other hand, there are companies that are going all in with a next generation approach that are literally fully in the implementation uh, cycle of, of retooling and reinventing their application environments and their business environments to take advantage of current day technology. Um, a couple of the customers that, that we've already uh, won and have referenced, which I'm sure we'll get to later in the podcast, are examples of people who are all in and literally are implementing you know, major use case scenarios uh, built on the technology. So I think it really is a function of the companies and their appetite for how to manage innovation and, and subsequent risk that goes with innovation. And as you'd expect, some companies are more conservative than others, some companies are more aggressive than others. Yeah, and I, I think some of these patterns um, are similar, right, with other emerging technologies. You do see customers uh, going after or, or choosing to pursue a particular use case, right, or one application or one area um, in some cases versus other customers who are looking at kind of a broader set of things and looking at it more from a, a platform perspective and, 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 you know, several areas they can solve at the same time. Um, so. Uh, I'd say there is certainly an aspect of um, how a particular entity deals with innovation and how they approach it. Um, and then, you know, what's the business justification, right? And where is that coming from? And leading with one or two use cases where the justification is very clear um, and then moving to a you know broader set of things as, um, as they mature. Uh, okay. Uh, so um, sticking on um, industry stuff then for a minute more, um, 
It's been reported that blockchain's hugely inefficient and consumes a scenes amount of energy and stuff. What's the story there? Yeah, I think it, it gets back to you know what version of blockchain you're referring to there. But certainly, there's been plenty, plenty published around you know Bitcoin as an architecture, for example, and how compute intensive it is, and the uh, the the green effect of having such an intense compute environment driving even a single transaction. I honestly don't recall the numbers, but they're laughably large um, power consumption scenarios for what amounts to a fairly trivial operation. Uh, we think that's an opportunity. You know, we'll, we'll get to more details about what VMware is doing, but the whole notion of efficiency can play a big role of how you would design an enterprise class blockchain technology platform in a way that's far more efficient and, and um, more consistent with other efficiency initiatives that a lot of companies are driving today throughout you know, the Fortune 1000 ecosystem. Okay. All right. So look, you've teased us with it then. So come on then, Brendan. Why does VMware have a blockchain team? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, now we're into it. You know, I think uh, in general, uh, VMware saw an opportunity several years ago um, to um, improve upon uh, some existing technology pieces in a way that pointed towards the application of blockchain within the enterprise. You know, our, our business is enterprises. We don't sell directly to consumers. You know, we don't, we don't sell public services, public consumer services. We enable those things to happen. And some of our customers are the largest service providers and consumer-oriented product companies in the world. But that's not our business, that's our customer's business. Um, I think the reason we're in this space is because we saw it as a great opportunity as the platform of choice for customers running their infrastructure and deploying their application suite to apply to the new generation of decentralized applications that are being formed and in written to, to provide capabilities um, that don't exist otherwise. You know, multi-party contract and multi-party consortium types use cases where massive amounts of data can be shared um, with trust capability, trust factors, um, and, and risk reduction to greatly improve upon the scenarios that uh, more traditional centralized approaches have taken. So we looked at it saying blockchain technology is great, but it can apply to the enterprise too. But that said, being part of an enterprise solution set brings a whole new set of characteristics and in, in fundamental requirements that aren't required for public consumption stacks. Um, so you bring in themes of dependability, recoverability, uh, ease of deployment, day two operations. What happens when something goes wrong? You know, we made the case earlier that a lot of companies are considering mission critical applications. Well, mission critical applications can't go down with a malicious um, attack. Uh, mission critical applications can't go down if certain parts of the network fail. Uh, you have to have uh, some withstanding of of tolerance like that and malicious behavior in a way uh, where you can reproduce the, the robustness that traditional enterprise applications have taken. So the, the long version of this answer, maybe the short version I should say, is we saw an opportunity to take some, some core technology that's been built by many different companies and improve upon it and, and apply it towards the needs of enterprises wanting to run their own private blockchains. And I think that focus 
is still largely missing in the broad ecosystem of blockchain offerings today? Uh, blockchain, as it said, when you, when you look at blockchain, it's a foundational technology, right? I mean, Bitcoin is an application of blockchain, and surely we are not coming out with the next cryptocurrency. That's certainly not what we're doing at VMware, right? So, so, so VMware doesn't equal virtual moneyware, then? <laughs> no, the VM is not for virtual money. <laughs> oh, okay, all right, good, good, clarified. <laughs> so maybe, you know, that's a, that, that's interesting for us to recall. So yeah, it's the foundational technology. That's what we're focused on. The applications of it are, there are lots of applications. The initial applications certainly that we're targeting are um, these very uh, high, highly regulated critical requirements, which have substantial enterprise grade features required from that uh, technology. So two things here. One, given that that foundational technology is, is somewhat of a, uh, you know, it's a, it's a natural extension of what VMware has been doing a lot of focus on these distributed systems. Uh, VMware's got a lot of technology there where uh, folks may not know about it because it's it's inherent in the underlying layers of VMware technology. Um, using all that experience and then extending it to decentralization has also been a, a good reason for VMware to do it. We've got the technical chops and um, a lot of good research came out from our research teams. Um, and then, you know, to your earlier point about um, uh, blockchain being very inefficient or the technologies being inefficient, um, it's it's kind of a very it's an old version, right? If you compare our old drives to our new drives, right? There's a there's, there's a lot of efficiency that's come about, and I'd say we're not we're the next we're the next generation of blockchain, so to speak. That where the inefficiency is not really the problem anymore, right? It's it's much more about having that to be now enterprise grade and being able to be the foundation on what these uh, these business critical applications are running, and that's where we are focusing as VMware. So. I guess the question I want to ask is, and, and I apologize, this is a layered question. It's the one they always teach you never to ask anyone. So it's the sandwich question. Um, so before we talk about some of the client we're engaged in and we're being successful with, I guess what would be interesting is to understand who do we naturally compete against? How do we stack with those organizations and, and why do our clients pick us? Yeah. That's a good question. And it's one that I think is going to change over time. You know, so much of this is new today. I think the ecosystem is, is predominantly young startup companies that are driving innovation. And if you just think about, you know, back to the, the original question about hype cycle, um, there was a huge amount of investment made, you know, throughout the venture capital communities for blockchain based technology companies uh, for years now. Uh, that has led to the formation and delivery of, of products across that ecosystem. And if you just take a quick snapshot of, of offerings and, and, and measure that as the state of the market, I think you'd find a fairly dominant set of younger companies versus more mature companies in that space. So that might, might be one way to say we're competing with a lot of startup companies, ironically enough, and we're sort of a startup too. This is a brand new product for the company. But that said, I think you have to look more broadly and longer term at you know where this ecosystem ends up going. You know, I think it ends up going down two paths uh, that that are really correlated, and we think will be codependent, which is the traditional enterprise um, software and service technology that's consumed on premise under their control, which puts VMware in the same competitive camp as its existing environment. Um, you know, with all the, the same names and, you know, you compete with the likes of Red Hat and, 
Microsoft and you know just a lot of ecosystems there. Um, or you take this down a path of deployment in the cloud, um, which I think is a pretty interesting uh, proposition for customers since, since the blockchain deployment itself can be so variable and can be so broad and widespread. It seems well suited for the, um, the elastic nature of how cloud services can be deployed, consumed, and, and also uh, uh, shut down. Um, as a value proposition. When you don't need it, you don't pay for it. So we actually think the competitive landscape will continue to look like the traditional, you know, uh, customer controlled software technology based business for a while. But over time, it's, I think, likely that VMware will be a cloud service offering uh, that will likely compete with other cloud service offering alternatives. Yeah, and maybe Brian, I'll answer your sandwich question with a sandwich answer, because I think to a certain extent, we as VMware are sandwiched between the startups and kind of the more traditional enterprise vendors. And I will say, I think the middle of the sandwich is the best part of the sandwich. So I think we are the best place there. But, um, uh, you know, the aspect that the startups are really focusing on kind of what's this net new um value that blockchain brings right so there's there's that it, it's kind of there, there are opportunities to out innovate others right so that's what the startups are focused on i think our um the traditional vendors are more focused on kind of what the enterprise needs now and sometimes short-circuiting the the real innovative pieces just to kind of uh, bring bring the surface um, requirements to to customers right and um, i think we're in between there we've definitely taken the view that um, you know, some of the key technology we focused on, scalable Byzantine fault tolerance and so on, is very much in line with the net new pieces of technology that blockchain brings. And then we are marrying that to what the enterprise needs today, right? And in that sense, we've got both sides of that equation. Um, I think other enterprise vendors will definitely be able to match the enterprise requirements. But, you know, sometimes I, I find that the, the blockchain, the true blockchain innovation pieces may not be as strong as the ones we have. Okay, so scalable Byzantine fault tolerance. Yes. So there's got to be some kind of fine for such <laughs> a crazy technical, what the heck is that expression? So go on then. What is that? So that is actually, um, and and I'm, I may I may not say it well, but it's a very old, um, uh, an old problem that some Byzantine general who had to go fight a war and had three different, um, I don't know, sub generals who he had to trust, and uh, how did they know that? all three of them were going to attack in unison and do the right thing. What if one of those generals went off and did something wrong or, or, or was able to be paid large volumes to have his set of the army not do the right thing, right? And basically, they had to come up with a mechanism for that Byzantine general to be able to send his army out and know that they would do the right thing in spite of maybe a subset of his army being able to be manipulated by, uh, by by the enemy or by someone else, right? So this was actually solved way back when. It's um, I'm sorry to say it isn't something very very new, but the, that, that, that's why maybe the, the terminology is so uh, isn't isn't familiar. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I think the premise of of what is provided here is important outside of the name. Um, you know, if you think about it, the whole the whole point of the enablement of a blockchain uh, technology base 
is the ability to provide immutable, trusted data sources across communities that are part of some transaction, some, you know, some transaction model, some multi-party contract type of model. So therein lies the rub of a centralized database becomes a single source for all consumers. And then you get into all kinds of scenarios of the risk of having a centralized data source that can always be attacked. So the thinking all along with blockchain was you distribute the problem in a way that it's no longer centralized, but you have to ensure that that distribution of single source of truth is administered in a way where you can know what's trusted. If it's great that it's immutable, as long as it's trusted, uh, then you have a single source of truth. So what, what the Byzantine fault tolerant approach did quite well was to give design principles to allow the user to design the fault domain, the failure domain scenarios, so that they could reach a level of consensus knowing that nodes are imperfect. A node may go down, a node may be malicious, but we can still withstand that occurrence and result in a point in time of data that is known to be trusted and it's immutable. So we took that principle that, that really started with uh, a, a lot of research work through Stanford back in the 1990s and said, you know, this is really a good foundational starting point, but what it needs for the enterprise is it needs that level of scale. You know, if you're running transactions, you have to think in thousands of transactions per second. And you have to start thinking about scale to hundreds or thousands of clients upstream and downstream. And you have to start thinking about deterministic behavior. How long does it take to perform? How long does it take to recover? How long does it take to deploy? So we took that founding principle of technology and applied the enterprise scale elements to it. You've told us why we have a team and some of the stuff you're working on. So so what what are you doing? What have, what have you done? Yeah, that's a good question, Matt. You have to do something if you have a team uh, on the payroll. So we built a, a version one platform that we're really proud of. I want to make a few comments about what it is, because I, I, I do think um, at times uh, we and even our customers get caught up in the blockchain and consensus discussion. And we just had that discussion talking about Byzantine fault tolerance and all that. But but really, I think the way to think about it is it's an application platform. And as a result of that, it has the foundational elements of how the ledger and how the blockchain environment is actually administered, which is the Byzantine fault tolerant pieces. But it also involves a smart contract language that's the genesis of the application, the execution of that uh, application environment itself, and then the platform as its own entity to manage. How do you deploy one? How do you monitor one? How do you improve one? How do you change a configuration of one? All the elements of management, even though this is you know, really cool cutting edge technology, at the end of the day, this is deployed like any other piece of technology. It has to run on infrastructure and that infrastructure has to be reliable and robust and predictable. So what we built is the foundational elements of the scalable Byzantine fault tolerant design. We've wrapped an execution engine, a virtualized execution engine on top of that, and then put the management entity of how the whole environment can be administered and managed as part of an overall platform offering. 
This is all built on familiar VMware technology. These are built on VMware VMs. These are administered through vCenter and, and, and vRealize and products in our portfolio. And customers could think of deploying this stuff just like they do any other service that runs on top of VMware. So the important thing to think about in, in what we have is we have version one of our platform. Version one happens to be built for a smart contract language called DAML, Digital Asset Markup Language, through a strategic partnership that we have with Digital Asset, the company. Um, but over time, you'll see other languages being supported because as a platform, we have to be a heterogeneous environment that can be conducive to run all kinds of applications. So we would have different types of smart contract language enabling different types of applications to run, just like you would expect um, you've seen in our traditional platforms uh, over the years. So our, our blockchain platform, it's very much an extension of VMware's DNA, right? We bring that digital foundation generally to, to enterprise customers. And you can think about our blockchain platform just like that for blockchain applications, right? Any blockchain application written in any smart contract language on, you know, in any situation, whether it's deployed on the cloud or on-premise, and then also in terms of blockchain, you know, you have these private networks or more uh, consortia. So, you know, in, in those cases as well, it, it's you can have the same platform um, in all those cases. We take all these um, these technologies and, you know, these, these lead, leading edge, relatively complex pieces of technology, abstract away all that complexity away. From, and we are actually creating... Um, you know, as, as Brendan was mentioning, the, this, this layered platform, the foundational layer has all the complexity of Byzantine fault tolerance and state machine replication, consensus, and all those things, right? Um, but that, that, that complexity is then abstracted away from the applications. We have what we call virtual ex execution environment. So you can deploy your application onto this platform, and it's, it runs on this in this in this distributed decentralized system without a customer really having to worry about it. The system does all the deployment and management and so on of the, um, um, of, of the situation. And to a, from a customer's perspective, they are focusing on their application, on their business logic, um, and they're able to, to benefit from um, these applications having access to these um, blockchain-specific um, um, requirements or, or, or benefits that, that the platform provides. So, um, Brendan, Tanya, I guess the, the, the billion dollar question, are we good if it was, is, you know, can you, can you give us some background and some insight um, into the customers that we're partnering with? And, I, and I'm particularly interested because you mentioned collaboration and, and when we talk about those, those customers, you know, how have we collaborated? How have we co-innovated with them? Because it, it is a clearly a partnership approach. So could, could I ask you to give some insight to our customers? Yes, absolutely. And Brian, I know you said it's the billion dollar question, but, you know, not facetiously, facetiously actually, it's, it could even be a trillion dollar question, right? We're, we're working with customers who are, who are move, moving trillions of dollars on these platforms that they are building. Um, I'll, I'll take uh, Broadridge as an example that we are deeply co-innovating with uh, for a repo market use case. It's really the, the heart of the financial services industry and uh, movement of trillions of dollars happens on these platforms. We've had a deep partnership with them. They have a lot of expertise in, in the repo market space. They really understand the value blockchain can bring to it. 
they marrying that with the, t the technology and the platform we can bring to the bring to the space as well as um, digital assets our partner with the Daniel language and the application um, expertise that they have you know this the the combination of, of of these three parties working together really then establishes um, an innovative new efficient a way of doing things. And really, when you think about these multi-party applications that, that we're developing, and in this particular use case, um, there are these repo transactions that happen between parties. And, and often, because there are multiple parties involved, there are different data sets, there are different sources of truth. That then leads to errors. It leads to having to um, correct for, for things that happened uh, in, inaccurately. There's you know counterparty risk and things like that that come into play. And with, with blockchain and the... In the picture, you now have uh, much, much more efficient um, transactions taking place, less of this, you know, go, go back in time and fix an issue and things like that, right? And when you're talking about tr trillions of dollars, it adds up. Um, the liquidity of assets is much more quick. Um, so there's several really benefits to the, to the market at large. And um, our innovation cycle with Broadridge has gone through that, gone through the paces, right? They've, they've really been looking to bring this application that that can have so much impact to the market, but bring it to market in a way that um, is re reliable, resilient. Things like this coming down actually has ripple effects to the entire market, right? So they have to really do it in a way where um, it's it's rock solid. And that's really what we've been working with them on. Uh, we've spent a lot of time on, on uh, upgrades, right? And upgrade from the, from the application to the platform and the implications of an upgrade in a blockchain space. It's very different and, and, and is, is a meaningful thing to work with three parties together because it's an end-to-end -end solution that has to work at the end of the day. Um, so there've been, there've been things like um, upgrades, there've been things like recovery from failures, there have been um, areas that we've been that we've worked with them for performance and and reliability of the transactions, um, and all, all that has happened working deeply with them across their engineering teams and their operations teams. You know, maybe if I could just add a comment to your question, Brian. Um, you know, every customer discussion is based on new business initiative, new application initiatives. You know, a familiar VMware theme might be app modernization. Although I think it that it's that at the least, I think it's more profound at times than that because it's really, uh, in in some cases, entirely new lines of business that are under consideration. So it's 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 never uh, as our customers often joke, it's not a shrink wrap software discussion whatsoever, where they're just taking what VMware has and just deploying it and running it. Um, we're nowhere near that state uh, of um, of quantification and definition. Customers are looking for us to be part of a co-innovation agenda where they're figuring out how to optimize the opportunity. So we're very much in the middle of not only the design of the environment, but the design of the outcome, which leads to a lot of non-functional requirements, right? Instead of just thinking about blockchain as a set of features and functionality, you think of it more as a business outcome oriented discussion. And um, as a result, we, we look for fewer, deeper customer engagements in these early days, um, not, not dozens and dozens and dozens of customers, all of the same recipe. I just don't think the maturity within the, the use case scenarios and even in the market is at that point yet. It will be, and we're, we're well positioned for it, but it's not there today. Just one more point I wanted to make there, which is interesting, especially with early technologies, right? As we've been working deeply with our customers, it's 
we do have to understand exactly what the application is doing and what the implications are to the platform and vice versa, right? It isn't like there's a no, there's an understood even terminology, right? So um, there's a deep understanding that has to happen and there's a lot of cross-pollination between engineering teams um, to be able to address the address the requirement and address the situation and understand it deeply across both parties. And that's been really uh, where we've spent a lot of time. And another customer, you know, we've talked about ASX in the past and several of you may have heard of ASX, uh, Australian Securities Exchange that we've been working very deeply with um, uh, for over a year now. The use case there is is pretty, pretty tremendous as well. It's all of the Australian stock market actually running on an application um, that will be on VMware's blockchain. You can imagine when you're talking about the entire stock market, all the requirements of the platform and the ability of the platform to be up and running is super important. So the requirements there, the bar that that's set by such a use case has been has been tremendously high, and we've been working very closely with ASX over over a year now um, to bring that to fruition, uh, and we'll continue to work with them. Um, over the next uh, next couple of years. I think ASX is sort of a perfect example of a co-innovation agenda. There's a near-term use case and a long-term vision, and they're both being built on our platform. You know, the, the near-term use case is the replacement of Chess, which happens to be the settlement platform for the entire securities exchange of Australia. Talk about mission critical. But the longer-term vision is really one of enabling a new model for multi-party business transactions and multi-party development in collaboration. You know, ASX views the world as a scenario where their customers build applications for their platform. They don't build them uniquely. And it really, it, it turns on a whole new innovation opportunity for ASX customers to take advantage of the platform. It, it really is in the truest sense a vision of what a distributed ledger enablement could look like uh, in, in a long-term view. Um, there's nothing trivial about a vision like that coming to reality. There's an immense amount of innovation that has to go on with all the parties involved uh, to bring that to life. And, and we've been uh, actively engaged now with ASX for actually for a number of years, helping them figure out you know, how to proceed on that aggressive agenda. So, so, so it lends me a, a question, and I guess we've all been around long enough to have seen this um occur in industry you know a number of times with different skill sets but you know two questions because i do love a sandwich um two questions uh the, the first is you know how are we how in the conversations with our customers how are we helping them understand how they need to orchestrate themselves to to create success because this is something very different and then the second question for me is is this going to be a case where blockchain becomes the, you know, Matthew mentioned it earlier on, is blockchain the next skill set that people need to get on their CV? Is there going to be a land grab for people that really understand how to do this and how to drive significant change through the use of blockchain? What's your views? Maybe I'll start, uh, Brian, sorry, what was your first question? I lost my train of thought. I had a, I had a point I wanted to make there. No, my, my first question is... I think I'll, I think I'll start, but I don't remember your question. <laughs> There's too many sandwiches. It's that time of night. It's late here, right? It's late. We need to move on to the wine. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah definitely. It's Thursday. It's always... A, Thursday night is wine night in the Hayes household. I brought a little, little Malbec today, I'll have you know. Um, the first question is, um, is really about... Um, 
even I've lost my own school of thought now on this. So the first question is, how are, how are we helping our customers organize themselves to drive this type of change? And then on the back of that, through that organization, are we starting or will we see um, the necessity or, or, or a land grab for skills where people have got really good understanding about the applicability of blockchain in organizations? Yeah, so uh, for the first question, right, I think there's two kind of broad areas there with customers. The first and, you know, going back to when we started the conversation, you know, the, uh, the appreciation where blockchain can add value is not necessarily um, uh, widespread, right? There's still some questions and so on. And I think working with customers there and being honest, right? We want to be honest with our customers about where this applies now to their business, right? And understanding that and being able to have um, that, that conversation around the use case, the applicability of blockchain. Is blockchain actually the best thing for you? Um, and uh, given the scenario that you have and you know your journey and so on. So I think that's one area. And it's important for customers to pick the right things for all, for, for all of us to be successful, right? And the other area that we work with customers on, um, generally speaking, because this is a relatively new technology, there are foundational differences in the way you approach things. Um, how do you create a fault isolation zone? Uh, what does decentralization mean? How do you actually make that happen from the infrastructure level up? What are the implications of doing it right at the infrastructure level, right? So there is some foundational kind of, I, I don't know whether I call it education, but we really have to kind of get them aware of those things. And sometimes, you know, when you have um, had an experience in the past of, of a certain uh, set of things, it's, you know, it's easy to kind of think, continue to think in that, um, in that, using that framework. And in, uh, in some cases, we actually have to help the customer develop a new framework of thinking um, as they apply blockchain into their um, solutions. Yeah, and, and I'll add on to that. Um, a lot of these initiatives are new workflows, new business workflows for companies. And those business workflows range from you know data steps uh, to systems infrastructure steps. And, and we often find ourselves helping customers think through how to reinvent the business workflow to take advantage of, but also to accommodate the new architecture that's being deployed. Um, you know, one comment to the second part of that question, which is around skill sets. Um, I think there will be a land grab, but it'll be a very specific set of skills. Um, we found that there is a lot of blockchain people out there uh, a lot of blockchain terms on resumes and, and a lot of outreach, but but most of that has been on the traditional public crypto blockchain variants. And while those people are bright and have some terrific experience, they don't have experience on how enterprise deployment actually works. So what we believe we're doing is fairly unique in building an enterprise grade offering uh, that, that brings blockchain technology into an enterprise class of use cases. And the consideration for what the product does and what the environment looks like is, is actually very different from a public crypto environment. So those skills will be valuable. And, and those skills that sit probably somewhere between infrastructure, distributed computing infrastructure in nature and smart contract language uh, APIs, you know, that, that kind of ecosystem is probably a valuable asset going forward because of the breadth of, of uh, implementation that will occur in, in companies across those spaces. That's, that's really interesting. So I, actually what I was going to ask you next was um, 
what do you see in the future for blockchain and where's VMware stepping into it? And I think you've just started to to kind of cover that there. Is there anything else you want to add to, to that thought? You know, longer term, this, the sky's the limit on how far we can take it. And, and what I'm excited about is the applicability of a roadmap of direction here um, has great synergy with the broader VMware portfolio. And let me give you a few examples of that. You know, we already made the point that we're pursuing new application initiatives as a function of where blockchain is being consumed. Well, there's all kinds of technology being built through, you know, the modern apps uh, business unit in the Tanzu platform that would apply directly to how we can better integrate our products, make them easier to deploy, make them more a more natural part of what a VMware customer can take advantage of. Privacy and dis- distributed trust environments need to be secure. And there's all kinds of technology add-ons to the security equation of this in the form of things like zero knowledge proof and better um, robustness on distributed trust that uh, that can be uh, leveraged from company technology, but also natively built for blockchain environments. That's the second thing. Um, you know, the whole notion of deployment, we talked about on-premises versus a cloud in offering a cloud service, a managed service for customers, takes full advantage of VMC and the unique capability VMware has built to enable hybrid clouds of all the leading cloud platforms out there. And that's certainly a direction we're taking with you know where we go with here with a version two and version three product to, to make it as flexible in consumption as possible, subscription models running in different environments and so forth. So we're excited about the prospects of where we can take the technology. There's a lot of, of things to build, obviously, um, but, but it's, it, I think, well-suited for the, the direction of technology the company is taking broadly. And we're able to take great advantage of that, I think. Yeah, and kind of looking into where this can go into the future, right? I mean, we're, we're certainly on the, in the beginning of the journey here. There are a lot of implications, a lot of areas where blockchain can be really a foundational piece of infrastructure. Just as today, you know, um, you have a centralized system in certain cases, a distributed system in certain other cases. I'd actually say it's kind of the next frontier, right? You started with some of these systems which were relatively simple, moved next to distributed systems which have some fault tolerance, and now really with um, with decentralized systems that you can have this trust and even cybersecurity use cases. So I'd say at the end of the day, this could just be almost, you know, when you don't say blockchain and when it's part of the platform, just it's there is I think where this can eventually go and that there's likely to be applications of it that are there and you don't even think that it's blockchain underneath. So first and foremost, thank you very much indeed for your time today. We're lucky, Matthew and I, that we, we sit and talk uh, to ourselves and we get to listen to some great people who really educate us um, on, on what we're doing as an organization, but what also is happening in the industry and the market and, and driving business digital innovation with, with block, blockchain is, is obviously very evident and, and our innovation and our collaboration with our clients and, and potential partners on that is really exciting for me to hear. Any last comments from you and, and how do people reach out to you if, if they want to? Thanks for having us, Brian, Matthew. In terms of how folks can reach out to us, we have our uh, blockchain website, which they can you can access through vmware.com. Um, and we have some contact information there. You can reach out to us. There's an email alias. 
Um, we have a blog post and so on. If you can follow us, uh, that would be great and look forward to keeping in touch. Yeah, and I'll echo. I really appreciate the time, Brian and Matthew. Thank you. My closing thought is um, there's not a lot of people that know that VMware is in this space quite yet. Um, and we look forward to engaging in the discussions with folks who want to learn more. Um, also, I think what we found is a lot of our customers aren't aware of what their own companies are even doing in this space, since very often this is driven out of a new business initiative or a new line of business thinking that hasn't made its way through all the planning cycles yet. So it may be an opportunity for the audience to get to know these initiatives inside their company a little bit more. And we would certainly you know, be uh, more than happy to come in and help that discussion along. So thank you for giving us the time. If we can help you in any way, please talk with your VMware account team. Alternatively, you can connect with us through LinkedIn. Just search for Brian Hayes or Matthew O'Neill at VMware. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Matthew Owen. And you can find our show notes at don'tbreakthebankpodcast.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you can join us again next time. Please do take care of yourself.